Go ahead and take your Bibles and go to Judges chapter 20. Judges chapter 20. And if you remember last week, we looked at one of the more unpleasant stories in the Bible of a Levite who had a concubine and uh, we, he was traveling and didn't want to stay among the, you know, the Canaanites. And so he figured he'd be safe in Gibeah where it was Benjamites. But unfortunately, the Benjamites, they had definitely backslidden on God's law. They had allowed Sodomites to live among them. And turned out this man wasn't safe being in Gibeah because, again, if you allow Sodomites in the community, uh, you don't have a safe community. And, of course, what did they try to do? Uh, they want to rape this man and uh, violate him, as uh, we always see them doing in the Bible. And they ended up getting his concubine, and uh, she ends up dying as a result of what they did to her. And, and then uh, we see how he cut her body up, 12 parts, sent her to all the different tribes, getting a message out about this horrible sin that had taken place, not just in Gibeah, but in Israel, this was a great sin in Israel as a nation, as a people, they were not supposed to allow this kind of thing to happen. And uh, it happened. Something needs to be done. And we're going to see here in chapter 20, the aftermath of what had taken place. And there's a lot of things that we can learn from this. And, and so verse one says, then all the children of Israel went out. And the congregation was gathered together as one man from Dan even to Beersheba with the land of Gilead unto the Lord in Mizpah. And the chief of all the people, even of all the tribes of Israel, <clears throat> presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 footmen that drew sword. Now, this is a good thing that we're seeing here. The people are uniting against this wickedness. And uh, they're ready to do what needs to be done with evildoers. 400,000 men. And I like this. One lady was murdered, but we've got 400,000 people ready to go take care of this group of sodomites. The Bible does not tell us how many there are, but this is exactly what should happen. And unfortunately, in our country, uh, we are regularly seeing uprisings of outraged people, but it's usually people that are outraged over just the most foolish things in the world. You know, that, that people get outraged uh, over somebody, you know, choking out accidentally a guy who's terrorizing people on a subway. You know, those are the things people get all upset about. Rape, incest, perversion, who cares? They celebrate that. You know, things that should be outraging our nation. We celebrate the streets. Things that shouldn't outrage anybody gets our country going crazy. And folks, again, I don't want to be doom and gloom, but when you look at this story and then you start comparing things to our country, it paints a scary picture about our country. It really shows the place that we are in today. And let me just, you know, if I can just rant a little bit tonight too, okay? Let me just get off on target. Okay? You know, the stuff that they are promoting, I don't even want to talk about it. The swimsuits that they're putting out there. And you know what? I don't care that they went and hid their perverted grooming section in the back of the store. Okay? I'm, I'm still mad that they're hiding junk like that in the store. It shouldn't be in the store. I mean, who even designs this stuff? Who comes up with this stuff? But it's happening. And you know what? It's, it's, I'm not, I don't usually push boycotts and things like that. But man, I'm not going to Target. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to that place. When they're doing that kind of filth, we should be, people should be getting upset over that. And thankfully some people are. And you know what? I wish all these people to get mad and loot places. They're going to loot someplace. They need to loot Target. But again, we don't do that. Let the Black Lives Matter people do that. You know, they, they don't care. But anyway, uh, so verse 3. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel were gone to Mizpah. Then said the children of Israel, tell us, how was this wickedness? And the Levite, the husband of the woman that was slain, answered and said, I came into Gibeah that belongeth to Benjamin, I and my concubine to lodge. And the men of Gibeah rose against me and beset the house round about upon me by night and thought to have slain me and my concubine, have they forced that she is dead 
And I took my concubine and cut her in pieces and sent her throughout all the country of the inheritance of Israel, for they have committed lewdness and folly in Israel. And folks, we have got to get back to seeing this kind of wickedness as shame and reproach to all of us. They said, this is lewdness that they did. This isn't something normal. There, there are some sins that are sin. They are wrong. They are devastating. They have consequences. But you can understand why somebody does that. You know, we can understand why somebody might lose their temper. You know, we can understand why somebody might fall into certain temptations. But when people are doing the kind of thing that these guys did, there's no excuse for that. There's no justification for that kind of thing. This is lewdness and folly. And it didn't just happen in Gibeah. It happened in Israel. And you know what? These 400,000 men were right in getting all up in arms, ready to come and deal with these guys. And you know, we do. We do still get upset when it comes to certain crimes. But unfortunately, with many crimes, we don't see it that way at all. You know, I'm glad people get upset when Baptist preachers do perversion, but I wish they get upset when homos do perversion. Everybody's always calling out, you know, the pedophilia and the, in the, you know, the Catholic church and the pedophilia and the, the abuse that happens in churches. Let's call that stuff out all day long. But can we not ignore the elephant in the room and not talk about what goes on in the homo communities and what happens in the homes when these freaks adopt kids? Why can't we talk about that kind of thing too? It's way more common, but they only care when it happens in a church. You know why? Because they don't really care about kids getting molested. They just hate churches. And so they use that because they know that upsets everyone. And so don't fall for it when the homos and the atheists talk about perversion in churches. Okay? And... I'm going to always talk about that kind of thing. Don't fall for it when the Eric Skorzynski's acts like he's upset about the abuse in the IFB and the cover-ups when the guy supports sodomites and trannies and every other kind of wickedness. These people are hypocrites. And we should not take them serious. They are not the real thing. They hate church is what they hate. And so they try to attach it to everyone. And you know what? Uh, you know, more Baptists need to start calling this stuff out, even when it's the bigwigs. Otherwise, they can't complain when people try to attach it to them, too. And you know what? Even Skorzynski, he won't try to pin this kind of stuff on my church as much as he'd love to because he knows I'm not afraid to call this kind of thing out. You know why? Because I, I don't just hate sodomites. I hate Baptist sodomites. You know, if they're, I don't care what label they put on themselves. I don't care if they act like they're straight dudes, you know, married to women. If they're molesting kids, they're sodomites. They're disgusting. They're filthy animals. And we want absolutely nothing to do with them. And, and, and I'll call, we'll, we'll call all of it out. And so, verse 7, Behold, ye are all children of Israel. Give here your advice and counsel. And all the people arose as one man saying, We will not any of us go to his tent, neither will we any of us Turn into his house, but now this shall be the thing that we will do to Gibeah, and we'll go up by lot against it, and we will take ten men of a hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel, and a hundred out of a thousand, and a thousand out of ten thousand, to fetch victual for the people, that they may do when they come to Gibeah of Benjamin, according to all the folly they have wrought in Israel. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, knit together as one man. And let me tell you, if we can unite with anything, it should be in punishing perverts. That's the one thing we ought to all be able to hold hands and sing kumbaya about. When it comes to, you know, wanting to stop perverts, murderers. And we, folks, everybody's always looking for the kumbaya moment. And it's amazing that we can't even find it in this. But that's how messed up our country is. But the, we see in Israel... During this time, at least 11 of the tribes were all united as one man. We're going to get these guys. They all said, we are going to get these guys. And that was good. This is a good thing. And it says, And the tribes of Israel sent men throughout all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What wickedness is this that is done among you? Now, therefore, deliver us the men, the children of Belial, which are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death, and put away evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of the brethren, the children of Israel. And you know, as backwards as Israel was during this time, even they understood during this time, hey, these guys are children of Belial. You know, that was the 
uh, old, that's another way of saying reprobate. They said these children of Belial, where are these guys? Deliver them to us. We are going to destroy them. But Benjamin sided with the Sodomites. Benjamin says, you know what? We're not going to listen. We believe in gay rights. We believe in, you know, we're, we believe in, you know, supporting each other and love is love and blah, blah, blah. You know, all the slogans that they do. They probably wore rainbows. No, they, you know, they, they weren't even that messed up yet. Take God's symbol and turn it into an emblem of perversion. But this, them siding with these guys, we're going to see this is a catastrophic error for this tribe. And again, anyone who sides with sodomites will always suffer consequences. And so we're not we're not going to see or we're going to see though that even though Israel is doing the right thing here, at this point it's not going to be without a great price for them because they had clearly let things go for too long. Hey, things like this don't just happen. Hey, obviously, the sodomites had come out of the closet already in Gibeah. And people tolerated them. People put up with them. They, they were already to that point there. And again, a lot of people when it comes to perverts and sodomites, they just kind of ignore obvious truths about them. You know, they just believe the lies that they're just people who just happen to be attracted to the same sex and they just want to live their own lives and get married and be treated like every other normal human being. That's a lie. That's a lie, but people believe it because they want to believe it. They believe it because it's easy to believe it. But it's an absolute lie when people say that kind of thing. And what eventually happens when you fall for that lie because you don't want to fight a battle that needs to be fought, eventually, you know what, they're, they're doing drag shows in front of your kids. Eventually, they're you know, selling girl bathing suits to your boys. You know, eventually, they're getting married. And eventually, they're just you know, out recruiting, putting pornographic material in public schools and libraries, trying to recruit your children into perversion. These things do not happen overnight. And pretty soon, and it's already this way in some places too, there's many places in our country where it is not safe to be. It's already that way. Many places in our country where it is not safe to be, where it is not safe for a lady, it is not safe for a man, and it is definitely not safe for children. We already have many places like this all over in our country where horrible things can happen to you, especially if you're out walking around at night. And it's because, again, we do nothing about it early. When you don't deal with sin early, it spreads. It gets worse. It gets bigger. And it gets to where, eventually, you can try to do something about it, but it's going to be too great. And what's one of the things that people say today when you start talking about Leviticus 2013? Well, you're talking about mass murder and wiping out this massive portion of the population, blah, blah, blah. Well, the thing is, that's because we let them recruit. You know, if we had dealt with it early when we were supposed to, like the Bible says, we wouldn't have these huge percentages of people. But we ignored it. We ignored it. And so now, you know, eventually, somebody's going to pay the price. It's either going to be the innocent who are being violated, murdered, and hurt by these people, or it's going to be, you know, we're going to pay a price, you know, when we're just fighting an epic battle, you know, where a lot of people are dying on both sides, which is what's going to happen in this story. It's what, it's what always happens. And so, it says, But the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities unto Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. And the children of Benjamin were numbered at that time out of the cities, twenty and six thousand men that drew sword beside the inhabitants of Gibeah, which were numbered seven hundred chosen men. So we've got twenty six thousand seven hundred men. Kind of keep that number uh, in the back of your mind. Among all this people, there were 700 chosen men left-handed. Everyone could sling stones at a hairbreadth and not miss. And the men of Israel beside Benjamin were numbered 400,000 men that drew sword. All these were men of war. So Benjamin, they weren't a large tribe, even at this point, but they were good fighters. You know, they had skilled uh, warriors among them. But either way, it was still pretty foolish of Benjamin to fight with Israel because they were greatly outnumbered. But understand, when somebody gets to the point of defending sodomites, they clearly are bent on self-destruction at that point. Listen, we have plenty of evidence that 
the powers that be are trying to destroy our country right now. And uh, there's, I mean, just how they are uh, with the money, how they are with the debt, what they're doing with, you know, wars. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of evidence, but one of the many things our nation is doing that proves they are trying to destroy our nation is the fact that they are promoting sodomy. That right there is a surefire way of just destroying your country. And the fact they're defending these things, promoting it, it's just proof. It's a self-destruction. That The fact that they defend these people. They're trying to destroy our nation. And this is... Because you, you look at the decisions they're making, it's like, okay, maybe... you know, Have you ever thought that way before? Maybe I'm stupid. You know, I mean, surely these people, you know, they've been to college, they've got degrees, they've been elected to office. Surely they're not that stupid. And the truth is, they're not that stupid. They are just trying to destroy the country. That's why they're doing the spending that they're doing. That's why they're just forgiving all these student loans and, you know, while still spending and spending and spending and just putting us more and more into debt. They are trying to destroy the country. There's, there's, no, there's no doubt about it. And the fact that they're promoting perversion that causes disease. I mean, we're supposed to, you know, we're, we were supposed to believe our nation cared about us getting germs and viruses when they promote homosexuality. That doesn't make any sense. You know, when our health secretary is a tranny, it's not about health, ladies and gentlemen. It's about destroying our country. That's what they are doing. They are trying to destroy the country. And so Benjamin fighting Israel this way, this isn't about even protecting sodomites. This is about hurting Israel. This is about hurting their own nation. And they don't care if they're going to go down too. And this was, this is, this is going to be a devastating thing, not just for the Benjamites, but for all of Israel. And so verse 18 goes on to say, And the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God and asked counsel of God and said, Which of us shall go up first to the battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up first. And this is a, it's a good thing that they inquired of the Lord first. These, this always helped the situation. And it's kind of nice to see them back to doing something like this before they act inquiring of the Lord. That was always a good thing. And we could preach a message on that. Every one of us, whenever we make any kind of decision, we should always take the time to go and inquire of the Lord and pray about it. And we ought to do that as families. We ought to do that as individuals. We ought to do that kind of thing as a church. You know, there's nothing wrong with when a decision needs to be made to, you don't have to always make the decision just like that to prove you're decisive. There's nothing wrong. And it's very wise to just say, you know what? We're going to pray about it and we're going to give a certain amount of time for the Lord to work on our heart, show us what he needs to show us. Uh, That's just wisdom right there. And we would all do well to put that into practice in our life. And we we see other stories in the Bible where they got in trouble because they did not inquire of the Lord. And let me tell you, usually in those stories, when they didn't inquire of the Lord, it's because they were having success, success, success. We saw that in Joshua. In Joshua, they were always inquiring of the Lord. But you know what? They didn't before they, uh, they had the battle where Achan went, or um, the battle after Jericho when Achan took the accursed thing. They just, they had so many battles after that huge victory they had. Well, these next people definitely aren't going to be able to stop us. Well, just go ahead and check with God to make sure. We can get cocky sometimes. God gives us a few victories and then we forget about them. You don't want to do that kind of thing. And so this is good. And and I'm pointing all these things out. I'm pointing out all the good things that they're doing because it can kind of cause you to scratch your head a little bit and say, well, man, they're doing everything right. But we're going to see some bad that comes for them. And there's a reason for that. And and, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the reason they're still going to have bad things happen to them is because they waited too long. And sometimes we do. We wait way too long to finally start doing the right thing. But then after five years of knowingly doing something wrong, all of a sudden we're like, you know what? I'm going to start doing right today. And then we expect everything to just be wonderful. No, it's going to get better, but you're probably still going to have a rough road. When you are willfully sinning against God, there's going to be some battles. It's not going to go without some kind of trouble. So 
Always keep that in mind. And that's what's going on here. I'm telling you, while the Bible does not flat out tell us, you know, what Israel knew, without a doubt, they did know there were sodomites living in Gibeah. Because the, the man that the Levite stayed with knew it was not safe for that Levite to be out in the streets and stuff and wanted to stay in his house. How did he know? You know why? Because he'd, he'd been around there. He'd seen the sodomites. He saw the guys wearing earrings and putting on ladies' clothes and however they expressed themselves back then as queers. I don't know. But he knew. He, he knew the kind of men that were in that city. So, again, if people knew what was going on and they were just doing nothing about it, there's consequences for that kind of thing. And, and so, I'm, you know, what happened with that woman, it was just what finally woke them up. And I don't know what's going to wake up our country. I do know a lot of the, the transgender stuff has woken up a lot more people. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot more people kind of speaking against all the perversion. I don't know that we're gaining ground, but I, it has woken up a lot of people that were asleep before. But as far as uh, being woken up to the level we need to, where we need to wake up, we're far from it. We're really far from it. And I'm terrified to think what it's going to take to finally get our country to realize, hey, we messed up big time in allowing this kind of perversion to go on. And uh, we, we, we've got a lot, of, a lot of work to do. And there's going to be a battle at some point. Either there's, either there's going to be an epic battle uh, that causes our nation to get right that will not be without great cost or we're just going to be destroyed without a doubt. And I'm afraid it's going to be destruction. But it says in verse 19, And the children of Israel rose up in the morning and encamped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in array to fight against them at Gibeah. And the children of Benjamin came forth out of Gibeah and destroyed down to the ground of the Israelites that day 22,000 men. So it's real easy if we only read this chapter to wonder why would God let Benjamin have any kind of victory you know, when Israel's doing the right thing. But again, they too late. Too late. They're going to pay. They're going to suffer. What happened to this woman was, it was not, Israel was not innocent in it. And that's one, one of the reasons too, you know, we have no tolerance for sodomites in this church because again, there could always be one hiding that we don't know about. There, there could always be that pervert there that nobody knows about. And you know what? And if they were to violate somebody, especially one of these children, let me tell you, that's horrible. It's tragic. But you know, if, if, that, if something that horrible were to ever happen in this church, I want us as a church to be able to honestly say, we had no idea. We had no idea. But if we knew, if we knew that somebody was a sodomite, if we knew that somebody was inclined to do something like that or had done something like that before and we just thought we had this Messiah complex where we can fix anyone's problems or whatever and we let them in our church and they did something like that, it's on us at that point. And you know, churches get sued sometimes uh, when things like that happen, especially in a situation where they should have known that somebody was dangerous. And, and so, again, you know, just understand, we're gonna, we, we have to have a zero tolerance when it comes to certain things because we got a lot of kids around here. And no, nobody is worth, uh, you know, these, these kids have more value than any pervert. And you know what? We ought to have the attitude these kids have more value than you know, even ourselves. Because I tell you what, I value my kids' lives and their future more than I value my own. And so I, I'm not going to treat your kids any different. And so um, we're, just, we're not, we're not going to take a chance with that stuff. And, and churches need to knock that off in um, thinking they can help and reform these people. And I was just listening to a guy today just going on and getting all poetic and talking about how, you know, you know, God can fix any of them and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, well, you know, bless your heart for believing that. But you're still a fool to knowingly 
allow someone in your congregation around kids that is prone to doing something like that. You you are you are a fool and a, you're dangerously foolish in doing that kind of thing. And you know we're, we're not going to fall for those slogans. And we're always going to do what we can to keep your kids safe around here. And we might not be 100%, but if that instance happens where somebody ever does do something, I want to be able to honestly say I had no idea. I had no idea there was ever any danger. we we got to keep this as a safe place. And so, because that crime that happened to that woman never should have happened. Never should have happened. If they would have followed God's law, if they would have followed Leviticus 20:13, what happened to that woman never would have never would have happened. You know, when you think about stories of some of the famous homos in this country, like John Wayne Gacy, Jeffrey Dahmer, do you know both of those guys got busted for things that should have got them put to death according to the Bible before they ever killed anyone? John Wayne Gacy got busted in Iowa. I forgot the specifics on some of those crimes, but these guys had already they had been arrested for things that the Bible clearly puts the death penalty on and they still were let back out into society. And I'm telling you right now, when, you know, when they dug up those 30-some bodies in John Wayne Gacy's home, you know what? Though that blood was not just on his hands, that blood was on our nation's hands. Everyone that Jeffrey Dahmer killed, their, their, their blood is on the hands of our nation because he got busted, they knew what he was, and it was ignored, and they didn't do anything about it, and those crimes never should have happened. These famous serial killers, these are these things never should have happened. They never should have happened. And you know, and and so our country was not innocent. And even though our country executed John Wayne Gacy, we're we're not innocent. It, it should have been done long before all those horrific crimes. And so, and you could go down the list of many of these famous murderers and they did. They outed themselves, were busted for things early on. Sometimes people got away with things for a long time, but a lot of, a lot of stuff could have been stopped and um, it, it, it's a shame. It's a shame. I recently watched some programs about these guys. I didn't, I didn't even know about this stuff. I, I never I never knew. I In my head, these guys were just out there doing all this perversion and murder, and then we finally caught up with them. No, they got busted way before, but they got away with it. And what a shame that is. And you know what? Heads should roll in our nation when that kind of thing happens. The prosecutor uh, in that area, they ought to be done for the judge that let them off, they should be done for when that kind of thing happens. When they make a judgment to not prosecute or to let somebody off and they go out and they do something like that, the blood ought to be on their hands. Especially when it was something that is obvious that they're a danger. I'm not saying because they spit on the sidewalk and got you know, fined for that before. No. These guys got busted for being perverts, for sodomizing people, and they, let, they, they were on the streets. And so... Uh, it made me mad when I learned that. I mean, I, I was just, I was furious because I, I, ne- I never, I never knew that little fact. And that's kind of an important fact, isn't it? It's kind of an important fact, you know, but they always want us to forget those things. Kind of like after Bin Laden, you know, got busted for, you know, all that he supposedly did. And everybody was like, well, didn't we get that guy before? You know, who let that guy go? And we won't go into all that, but, um, you know, that was a good question people should have been asking, you know, wh- you know, what was that guy doing out there? But yeah, don't, don't get me going on that rabbit trail, but we've got a bad habit of that in this country of people that we have the goods on that we had a hundred reasons to make sure they never walked the earth again and we did nothing and then horrific things happen and the nation gets outraged, and then we act like we're all noble and just because then we finally do something. No, those things never should have happened. And not only should the murderer get put down, but we need to hold people responsible who did nothing about it. And you know what? Preachers, preachers get in trouble when they don't report certain crimes. And you know what? I'm fine with that. But, you know, so just understand, if I find out somebody's a perv, I'm telling on you because I'm not going to jail for you. 
But at the same time, how is it that preachers can go, can go to jail and get in trouble for not reporting a crime, but yet prosecutors, judges can let people off for crimes? They can go do horrible things and they don't get in any trouble. How does that make any sense? Where's the justice in that? Where's the, where's the vow for that? That's hypocrisy right there. And let's let, keep letting the preachers get in trouble who don't report things, but let's start nailing these judges and lawyers too. I, I, th- I think we need to take care of all of them. But getting on a lot of rabbit trails tonight. This, this stuff makes me mad. and Because this, this, this chapter scares me. It scares me for our nation. Because I, we're not seeing the response that we should be in our country. And so, um, yeah, without a doubt, you'll never convince me, Israel, not, not even just Benjamin, not even just Gibeah, you'll never convince me that the nation didn't know there were Sodomites living in Gibeah. You'll never convince me of that. Without a doubt, they knew Sodomites were there. So verse 22, and the, men, and the people of the men of Israel encouraged themselves and set their battle again in array in the place where they put themselves in array for the first day. And the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until even and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother? And the Lord said, Go up against him. So notice, again, they've inquired of the Lord again. God said, Go against them. So surely, they're going to win this. No casualties. Right? But no, and this, this is tragic in many ways. Because one, they already lost a lot of men trying to do the right thing. 40,000. 40,000 because of something that was done for, to one person. Is that worth it? Yeah, it? It's still worth it, folks. It's still worth it. You say, well, how is that worth it? If we had just ignored the one person, those 40,000 wouldn't have died. But wait a minute. If we ignore it, eventually we're Sodom and Gomorrah and everyone's dead. So it's still worth it. Okay? It's still worth it. There are some battles that are worth fighting. Even though there's going to be loss of life, even though there's going to be casualties, some battles are worth fighting. And with this battle and taking out the Sodomites, that was worth fighting. For sure that was worth fighting, even though they lost, uh, they lost a lot of men. And so, verse 24, um, but, oh yeah, but this was tragic because of the men they lost. But also, you know, Benjamin, this tribe, it's their brother they're going after. And maybe one of the reasons they lost, maybe they were holding back a little bit too, because again, this is Israel fighting Israel. Benjamin is one of the tribes. You know, this is actually weakening them as a nation. You know, take if they if they defeat Benjamin, and we're going to see, and we'll see this again in the next chapter. Israel's devastated after this. They do the right thing and they take care of Benjamin, but it was still the loss of a lot of people, and this is this was it was a tragic thing. It had to be done. But it was tragic. Verse 24, And the children of Israel came near against the children of Benjamin the second day. And Benjamin went forth against them out of Gibeah the second day and destroyed down to the ground of the children of Israel again 18,000 men, all that drew sword. So now we're up to 40,000 men that have now died because they waited too long to fight. And remember, they just lost. And God told them to go. So I, I don't understand that. Again, Israel's being punished right now too. Israel's being punished God's letting this happen. And I think one of the reasons God's letting this happen is to say, well, no, don't you ever let this kind of thing happen again. You know what? Next time you find out there's some sodomites living in the land, go take care of them before they do something like they did to this woman. That's what, that's what you know, I think God was trying to get across. And so again, it, it, if they just ignore this, it's only going to get worse. More, you, how, how emboldened do you think the men of Benjamin would have been if nothing would have happened after what they did to that woman, they'd have kept doing that kind of thing when somebody came through. So verse 28, Then all the children of Israel and the people went up and came into the house of God and wept and sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until even and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And the children of Israel inquired of the Lord for the ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother, or shall I cease? And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into thine hand. And so right here, uh, too, this is, this is, I think it's pretty strong evidence that this event we're actually reading about happened pretty early in the book of Judges. I think we're actually back in time 
before a lot of the stories we saw before because uh, Phineas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, were not that far from Moses at this point. So this was pretty early on. Not, so this would have been not long after the time of Joshua. They are already letting sodomites be in the land. And, uh, and it has devastating consequences. So uh, Israel now knows God's going to give them victory. And so in verse 29, And Israel set liars in wait round about Gibeah. And the children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin on the third day and put themselves in array against Gibeah as at other times. And the children of Benjamin went out against the people and were drawn away from the city. And they began to smite the people and kill as at other times in the highways of which one goeth up to the house of God and the other to Gibeah in the field, about 30 men of Israel. And the children of Benjamin said, They are smitten down before us as at the first. But the children of Israel said, Let us flee and draw them away from the city unto the highways. And all the men of Israel rose up out of their place and put themselves in array at Baal Tamar. And the liars and weight of Israel came forth out of their places, even out of the meadows of Gibeah. And there came against Gibeah 10,000 chosen men out of all Israel. And the battle was sore, but they knew not that evil was near them. And the Lord smote Benjamin before Israel. And the children of Israel destroyed of the Benjamites that day twenty and five thousand and an hundred men. All these drew the sword. And remember before there was twenty six thousand seven hundred. So this is most of them. Most of the, the men died. So the children of Benjamin saw that they were smitten, for the men of Israel gave place to the Benjamites, because they trusted unto the liars in wait, which they had set beside Gibeah. And the liars in wait hasted and rushed upon Gibeah, and the liars in wait drew themselves along and smote all the city with the edge of the sword. Now there was an appointed sign between the men of Israel and the liars in wait, that they should make a great flame with smoke rise up out of the city. And when the men of Israel retired in the battle, Benjamin began to smite and kill of the men of Israel about 30 persons. For they said, Surely they are smitten down before us as in the first battle. But when the flame began to arise up out of the city with the pillar of smoke, the Benjamites looked behind them and behold, the flame of the city ascended up to heaven. And when the men of Israel turned again, the men of Benjamin were amazed for they saw that evil was come upon them. Therefore, they turned their backs from before the men of Israel under the way of the wilderness, but the battle overtook them and them which came out of the cities, they destroyed in the midst of them. Thus, they enclosed the Benjamites round about and chased them and trod them down with ease over against Gibeah toward the sun rising. And there fell of Benjamin 18,000 men. All these were men of valor. And they turned and fled toward the wilderness under the rock of Rimmon. And they gleaned of them in the highways 5,000 men and pursued hard after them unto Gidom and slew 2,000 men of them. So that all which fell that day of Benjamin were 20 and 5,000 men which drew the sword. These were, all these were men of valor. But 600 men turned and fled to the wilderness under the rock Rimmon and abode in the rock Rimmon four months. And the men of Israel turned again unto the children of Benjamin and smote them with the edge of the sword, as well as the men of every city, as the beast, and all that came to hand. Also they set on fire all the cities that they came to. So after this battle was all said and done, there wasn't much of Benjamin left. And, um, and, I, and so this was a tragedy on many levels. It was bad because... Israel lost many of their own soldiers and also they lost most of the tribe of Benjamin that was a part of them too. But this is what happens when wickedness goes unchecked. This is what happens when wickedness runs rampant. It causes problems for everybody. And this event right here, I believe, is one of the reasons that we see that Benjamin was uh, one of the smallest or was the smallest tribe. If you look at 1 Samuel 9.21, back when Saul was still humble, back before he got lifted up with pride, when he's uh, chosen to be the king, it says, And Saul answered and said, Am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? This is when Saul was still humble, 
But he brought, we're the smallest tribe. And this is why. They, they were a strong tribe. They had, I mean, uh, skilled soldiers in their tribe, but they allowed sodomites to live among them. And when the rest of Israel tried to do the right thing, they defended the sodomites. And they, near, they, they would, have, would have probably just completely destroyed themselves as a tribe. But I believe God spared them because of his promises that he had made to their fathers. God didn't let all of them die, but a lot did. And so uh, go ahead and turn over to Deuteronomy 21. I want to point something out to you, the, uh, uh, the very important uh, principle that we can get from this and a moral to this story. Because the moral of this story is that everyone loses when sin isn't dealt with. And when nations do not take crimes seriously, the entire nation suffers as a result. And while we cannot possibly solve every crime and prevent every evil, it should be clear we're doing everything possible to bring justice when evil is done. And understand too, we live in a nation where they're always doing things to invade our privacy and to take our freedom, and they're always saying it's to protect everyone. But folks, they obviously don't care about protecting us. Okay? The, the evidence that they are not trying to protect us is all over the place because of the fact we celebrate the scum of the earth. You know, the, we have so many people with just massive rap street sheets walking the street. People are scared to defend themselves. Today, our government is so messed up and so corrupted. I mean, you can't even shoot somebody that breaks into your house in Illinois without going to jail for at least, at least a night. I mean, you should be getting a medal, you know, when you, when you do that, when you do that kind of thing. But no, we, we live in a very backwards country. And so understand all these things that they're always saying, we need to do these things to prevent crime, like take your guns. Okay? These things are, that is not how it's supposed to be done. The way we deter crime is by punishing evildoers we don't wait till they do the big things tip again typically not a hundred percent of the time but a lot of times people that do the big crimes had done a whole bunch of little crimes before that and we're seeing and so uh understand that as a nation the way we do stuff to stop crime is punish evildoers that is what god ordained that is what the government is supposed to do. The government has not been called to prevent evil from ever happening. That's impossible. It can't be done. Again, as a church, we cannot stop. You know, there's no way to just 100% guarantee nothing will ever happen to anybody in this church. Okay, we can't do that. But if we have strong policies that deal with people when they do wrong, if we do exercise church discipline in the biblical manner, the likelihood of these big things happening are going to be, are, are, they're very slim. And let me tell you, churches that actually do practice church discipline in a biblical manner typically don't have these problems. You know, the churches that are always having these problems are ones who constantly let people in that you should never, ever let in a church. You know, when they just, again, get that Messiah complex. I got a message coming. Uh, if, if I may do a commercial for a message, I, I, I have it written. And, but it was one of those things, it's like the, the time's not right. The time's not right. But I, uh, I'm going to preach it. I do. I have all the notes. It's called Snake Handling Preachers or Snake Handling Churches. I got a great message about snake handling churches. And you think it's about those weird Pentecostal churches that are out there. And uh, I'm, I am going to talk about them. But what, what sin is it? I'm kind of preaching the message right now, but I'm still going to preach again anyway. What is, what, what's so bad about what they're doing? Okay, one, it's stupid, but it's what sin are they committing when they do? There's a very specific sin. Yeah, they're tempting God. Okay? You know, just because God told them that he would protect them from evil things and God protected... Uh, Paul, when he was bitten, that doesn't mean we tempt God and we put ourselves in a situation on purpose where we might get bitten. We're not supposed to do that kind of thing. And let me tell you, a lot of churches, 
They are getting this attitude that they're untouchable, that nothing can happen. And you know what they're doing? They're allowing, they're, they're tempting God with people they allow in the church by, by basically take, you know, letting snakes in the church. It's like, what did you, what did you think was going to happen when you let that person in the church? What, what did you, what did you think, you know, when that blue haired lady came and said she wanted to work in the Sunday school class, what did you think she was going to teach those kids? You know, some of these things are just real obvious. Well, you know, I believe in the power of the gospel. I thought we'd change her. Well, yeah, I believe in the power of the gospel too. But again, we don't tempt God. We don't tempt God. But that's what people are doing. Now I told you all about I'm going to have to preach it sooner than I wanted to. But I, I, uh, I, it's coming. It's coming. The notes are already there. Just, just waiting for the right time. But uh, I forgot where I was even going with that. But yeah, but again... When, when we don't deal with it, so yeah, in, in, in our church, we can't prevent, you know, sin from ever happening, but we can deal with it when it does, and that will take care of most of it. That will take care of most of it, and something I want us to see in the Bible, in Deuteronomy chapter 21, I think this passage is interesting because it just shows what the heart of our law enforcement should be, of our government, what it should be, but it says, if one be found... Slain in the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it, lying in the field, and it be not known who hath slain him, then thy elders and thy judges shall come forth, and they shall measure unto the cities which are round about him that is slain. And it shall be that the city which is next unto the slain men, even the elders of that city, shall take an heifer that hath not been wrought with, and which he hath not drawn in the oak, and the elders of the city shall bring down the heifer unto the rough valley, which is neither eared nor sown, and shall strike off the heifer's neck there in the valley. And the priests, the sons of Levi, shall come near for them. The Lord thy God hath chosen to minister unto him, and to bless it in the name of the Lord. And by their word shall every controversy and every stroke be tried. And all the elders of the city that are next unto the slain man shall wash their hands over the heifer that is beheaded in the valley. And they shall answer and say, Our hands have not shed this blood, neither have our eyes seen it. Be merciful, O Lord, unto thy people Israel, whom thou hast redeemed, and lay not innocent blood unto thy people of Israel's charge, and the blood shall be forgiven them. So shalt thou put away the guilt of innocent blood from among you, when thou shalt do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. So notice, sometimes crimes happen, and you're not going to be able to solve it. But you know what? They had a method. They had a ritual that they did then. They had a sacrifice where they, as a people, as leaders, were saying, we don't know who did this. And Lord, we want you to forgive us. You know why? Because people's, you know, when people's blood is shed, by man shall that uh, shall blood be shed. I did not quote that right. Whosoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. But what do we do if we don't know who did it? Well, I believe we are in the clear as long as we do our due diligence to figure out who it is and to make sure that kind of thing doesn't happen again. Again, sometimes things are going to happen. Sometimes evil's, evil people are going to do things and they might get away with it, but we should not be negligent in these things. We can't be ignoring obvious wrongs and obvious red flags. Obviously, if a guy comes into church and he's wearing high heels, that's enough. We ought to throw him out. You know, because if, listen... If a guy, if we allow a guy to come to church who wears high heels to church, and then later he hurts one of the kids, we're not innocent at that point. We had good evidence. The man was an abomination. He's, you know, he, our shoes count as garment, but you know, close enough, close enough. You know, without a doubt, that's wrong, and we must be diligent. When it comes to justice, it's not going to take time. There's a lot of good places in the law. Deuteronomy 19 talks about witnesses, how they're supposed to make diligent inquisition. And not only that, if you find out that was a false witness, you nail their hides to the wall. If whatever they would have had done to somebody else, that's going to be done to them because the last thing we ever want are false witnesses in this nation because we do not want our justice being perverted. We don't want that. We need to make sure we have a good justice system that actually punishes evildoers because that is what prevents crime more than anything else. That is what stops the evil from happening more than anything else. 
And people all the time are like, well, if we start doing these things, we're just going to be killing everybody. Well, again, we wouldn't have if we'd have done it right the first time. But you know what? At some point, you've got to say enough's enough. And even if we have to pay a price for it, it's time we do the right thing because it's only going to get worse. Do we want to fight the battle now or do we want us to get completely destroyed later? Because that's what happens to every nation when sodomy runs rampant. And so we do. We have a greater problem when great and, greater, and there's greater suffering when you have a nation, too, that supports the evil or calls the evil good and calls the good evil. I mean, and that's where we're at. And the problem we have in our country, there's just there's no fear of God. And I just I love the picture of these priests going and like, man, we got a dead body. We don't know who did this. And they're and they fear God. And they need something that that can be done, but they don't have there's nothing they can do. We have no evidence. Nobody saw this. There's no witnesses, but we have a dead body. What are we supposed to do? And you know what God did? God gave him something to do. God said, here's the sacrifice I want you to do. And I, and I do. I love the picture of seeing these men. I, I like to picture a community watching these priests as they do this thing, knowing that, listen, God's mad at us. Somebody was murdered. Somebody's blood was shed. This kind of thing matters. But they knew God gave us instruction and they, and they had that sacrifice they would do. They would wash their hands and they would pray, Lord, we are innocent in this matter. We don't know who did it. And then they knew, okay, we're not in trouble with God. But in our country, babies are being butchered every day. Kids are being molested every day. And there's no fear of God for it. And so, again, refer to Sunday's message. Let's keep, inter- we can, let's keep interceding for our country. Let's keep standing against it. Let's keep proclaiming the truth about it. And, but at, at the same time, let's not get mad at God if He says, yeah, you know what? There's not enough of you righteous. You're all going down. Okay? I, I'm, I'll tell you, if I went home tonight and I heard in the news the nukes were coming and we were all dead in an hour, I mean, I wouldn't be happy about it, but I wouldn't be mad at God. I'd be like, well, we had a good run. God was merciful. Hey, at least we're going to heaven. You know, I should have known living in a nation like this, this that this day would come. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at God for sure. So with that, let's go to the word of prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word and just the uh, how it has all the answers and solutions. And Lord, I just pray that you'll help us to uh, try to teach the truth about your word. And I pray, Lord, that we can see some kind of revival in this country and that we'll finally start doing something about all the evil and perversion that is just running rampant in our nation. And I pray that we can uh, turn the tide on this thing. But, Lord, if, if not, I pray that you will at least keep your people from the evil. I pray you'll protect us from the sodomites and all the uh, filth that's out there. I pray you'll keep these kids here safe. I pray you'll help us to be a light and to be a voice against the wickedness that's going on in this world and, and in spite of all the evil that's around us, I pray you'll help us to continue to uh, raise good godly families that love the Lord and that are happy and that you will, that you will keep us from the evil of this world. In your name we pray. Amen.